opening the Bible's pages and reading it for yourself, it can get tricky very, very quickly. I just think of, the, um, of when I was a child and was reading through some well-known Bible stories uh, and just reflecting on the trickiness that, this, uh, that, this, uh, that I could have in my own mind when I was reading through these when I was younger. I mean, let's take Noah's Ark. I mean, right there, almost everyone in the world dies. In the plagues in Exodus, the firstborn male in every household dies. The walls of Jericho, a whole city dies. The story of Jonah, a whole city comes close to dying. The story of Samson, he dies and several Philistines die. David and Goliath, Goliath dies. These are a lot of the stories from the Bible that we can grow up learning as children. And yet then we're told to, uh, to offset this with books like 1 John, where we hear that God is love, that that's one of the most essential parts of his character and nature. Now, when you actually make the decision to read the Bible intentionally and honestly, there are some things that can feel pretty hard to reconcile, like all of these stories where everyone seems to die, and then the fact that we understand that uh, the central part of God's nature is that He is love. So it can seem like it's very difficult that there are these, uh, these different things to reconcile with one another. And yet we know this truth from 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how much of Scripture is useful? All of it. All scripture is useful. Those strange and true stories in the Old Testament and the clear instruction of the epistles in the New Testament, all of scripture communicates something to us about the person and the nature of God. All of scripture is useful and is there to equip us for every good work. It's not there to necessarily answer all of the questions that you might have. In fact, the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us everything that we want to know, but it does tell us everything that we need to know. When I die, one of the questions that I have always wanted to ask God is, why are there mosquitoes? I know that might sound like a really strange question to ask, but I can't see any benefit to our ecosystem in having mosquitoes, and rather they just seem to suck blood from creatures. Now, some of you who are more scientific than I, you might be able to uh, come to me with an answer after the service, but that is genuinely one of the questions that I have wanted to ask God, why did you create these little creatures? Why do we have to suffer through them every uh, every single summer? Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us everything that we want to know, but it does tell us what we need to know. The Bible is God's equipping tool given to us so that we will know who God is, revealed completely in Jesus, who we are, we are image bearers of God needing salvation, and who we are called to become, which is restorers of God's kingdom. So all of Scripture is useful, helping us to be equipped for every good work. But if that's true, if what we just read here in 2 Timothy is true, that all Scripture is useful for us, then why can the Bible be so hard to read? And how do we actually read this book? 
Today, what I want to do is I want to give you some tips. These are going to be for different people at different levels of Bible reading so that you are able to read all of the Bible and allow it to equip you for every good work. Now, this morning is going to be far more teachy than it will be uh, preachy, and different things will be applicable for different people at different levels. Um, And as I said uh, in my weekly email, and I said at our last night service, it would be beneficial if you were were thinking about taking notes to bring a notebook during this series as we look at some real practical things to help us to read the Bible. This is going to be very practical this morning, giving you some different tips about how to Uh, about how to read the Bible. And the first tip is to simply choose a translation that you understand. There are hundreds of different uh, Bible translations in English, and some of you might have a regular go-to translation for yourself. But if you're new to the Bible or coming to it for the first time, navigating your way through all of the different versions of the Bible can actually be quite difficult. When I was a youth pastor, there was a young boy who began coming to the youth group that I was running uh, who had never picked up a Bible in his life. He had never gone to church. He hadn't spent uh, any time around Christians. He'd never sung a worship song in his life. So everything about church, coming into a a church building, uh, encountering the Word of God, every single thing was really new to him. We journeyed over a little while and he was blown away when I showed him that he could download the entire Bible onto his phone for himself. But it became pretty apparent to me that this um, young kid, uh, pretty quickly, he had some struggles with reading the Bible. He eventually came to me after a sermon that I preached at the youth group, and he said to me, Dave, why is it that the Bible you read makes sense, but mine doesn't? What you read from the Bible isn't the same as what I read. I looked at his phone that he had been reading the Bible from, and for some reason, it had automatically gone to the King James Version. There were begottens and haths and art vows throughout this Bible, and this young kid who had never seen a Bible before had no idea what this was saying. This Bible, uh, this young boy at youth group, he wasn't even aware that there were different versions of the Bible. Now, many of you here today and joining with us online, you probably come with some understanding of different versions of the Bible, and yet we may not have thought through why we read a particular version of the Bible. Every person who writes a Bible translation is trying to weigh up two different goals. They're trying to weigh up readability and they're trying to weigh up reliability. So they want their version of the Bible to be reliable and faithful to the original text. But they also want it to be readable and legible for, uh, for the average person. If they simply were translating word for word the sentences of the Bible, it wouldn't make much sense because in ancient Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek, the languages of the Bible, they have different sentence structures than, uh, than what we're used to in English. So as an example, John 3.16 comes out like this if translated directly word for word. For so loved God the world that his Son, the only begotten, he gave, that everyone who is believing on him may not perish, but may life unto the age. 
It doesn't make as much sense when we read it like that, simply due to sentence structure. And the people who take care of Bible translation, they're immensely intelligent people and have a really difficult job trying to balance reliability and readability together. Um, Some translators, they may err towards readability over reliability and vice versa. Now, you might have heard preachers, including myself, say something to the effect of, the way that this passage is translated, it's translated like this, but what it actually means is this. Now, I've, uh, as even the, uh, uh, at times as I've said this from the front, I felt a little bit sorry for translators because they really do a great job of a very, very difficult task and weighty task. They can bring certain biases and thoughts to the Bible, which is while you'll have some, uh, some versions of the Bible that are more word for word, like the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Bible, and others who are more of a thought for thought approach, like the New International Version or the New Living Translation. Now, as a church from the front, we traditionally read from the New International Version because it does a great job at balancing readability and reliability. You might like to read from that or possibly from another version, but the main thing that is helpful when you are reading the Bible for yourself is actually having access to more than one version for yourself. If there is a phrase or wording that you are are struggling to understand, accessing other translations can help immensely in regards to minimizing confusion. The other thing that you might like to do is access a paraphrase of the Bible, like the Message or the Good News Bible. Paraphrases, they can be immensely helpful tools when when they're used correctly. As opposed to a translation, a paraphrase, it seeks to do the interpretive work for you. So they're very easy to read and they're written well. And once again, they can be great to use as a possible reference when you're confused about a passage, but they should not be read exclusively without reading an actual translation. They don't claim to be translations and they're not intended to be read in the same way. So use them as a reference if you would find that helpful. So that's tip number one, to to choose a uh, a translation that you understand. Uh, Tip number two is to choose a time, a plan and a place to study the Bible. One of the best things that we have in our world about the Bible today is that most of us can access the Bible anywhere, anytime, simply by switching on our phone. You can read the Bible wherever and whenever you want. There is nothing holier or better about reading the Bible in the morning or the night, and nor is there anything holier or better about reading the Bible at church or at home or at the water. In saying that, there is a huge benefit to having regularity and routine in your Bible reading. You are far more likely to succeed in digging into the Word of God if you have consistency in where and when you do it. So having consistency in time and place is important, but equally important is having a plan. Now, probably the least helpful way of 
uh, of reading the Bible is to wake up in the morning, simply open up your Bible to wherever you think, point to a verse, and then go to it from there. Let's give that a go as a, uh, as a group right now. I'm going to go from 1 Samuel 15, verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel come back to me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Maybe that might have, might have spoken to one of you this morning. It's not the most uh, profound way to, to go about uh, Bible reading. There's a well-known story of, a, uh, of someone who did this. A man was really struggling, and so he decided to open a Bible to a random page and drop his finger on a verse and do whatever it says. And the verse his finger landed on was Matthew 27, verse 5, which says, Then Judas hanged himself. The man thought, that's not right, let me try again, and does the same thing, this time landing on Luke 10, 37, which says, Jesus told him to go and do likewise. Again, the man thought it wasn't right, and so he did it one last time and landed on John 13, 37, whatever you are about to do, do it quickly. (laughs) This is not the best or most effective way to read through the Bible, especially when we have access to a plethora of Bible reading plans available to us and at our disposal. Now, when you have a plan or follow a plan, you will inevitably be more consistent in coming to the Bible. Some possible Bible plans that you might choose to go through are the Bible in in a Year by Nicky Gumbel. There are Bible plans on the YouVersion Bible app and many study Bibles provide reading plans in them as well. There are so many different plans that you could do. There are so many possibilities available to you. Um, But when I, it's really important for you to, uh, when choosing a Bible plan, to be honest about where you are with your Bible reading. So, for example, if you are starting the Bible and you've never read the Bible much at all, never done a Bible reading plan, don't do a Bible reading plan from the beginning of the Bible to the end, because you will inevitably end in failure. You're far more likely to succeed if you do something like going through the Gospel of Luke and then going through Acts, which are just two volumes of the same, uh, from the same author. Or you might like to just simply read through the book of Romans really, really slowly, maybe only reading part of a chapter a day and really trying to get something out of it. On the other hand, if you have been reading the Bible for a really long time and are familiar with much of it, don't shy away from certain harder passages in the Bible. Maybe consider doing a Bible reading plan through the Torah, through the first five books of the Bible. Or you might like to go through First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles. Remember that all of Scripture is for us to produce in us every good work. But start where you are at. Now, when you go through a Bible reading plan you are inevitably going to come to a stage where you have missed one or more days. For those of you who have done a Bible reading plan, I'm sure you can uh, resonate with that. And that is okay. 
The worst thing that you can do if you have missed a few days is to try and catch up because inevitably you might miss more and then you have too many days to catch up on and so you give up completely and stop reading the Bible at all. You are not reading the Bible to gain brownie points with God. You're not reading the Bible to get a sticker at the end of a Bible reading plan uh, and completing it on time. You are reading the Bible to encounter God through his word. Just go from where you are up to. Don't put pressure on yourself to catch up. And if you do catch up, then you do. But don't feel a sense of guilt if you don't. Whatever plan you follow, I would strongly urge you to not only read a devotional, Devotionals, they can be helpful tools. I love devotionals. I promote devotionals and they can complement your Bible reading well. But the problem with only reading devotionals is that you are always encountering the Bible through the lens of someone else. And that is true no matter how good the devotional is. Of course, God is able to speak through this, but God wants to encounter you directly, not just through someone else, through his word. Now, for me personally, I am a auditory learner. I learn best when something is spoken verbally to me. And so for my Bible reading, I use something called the Dwell app. And I have found I have uh, someone read the Bible to me while I read along with it myself. Uh, I love this app because you can add some background noise. There can be nature in the background. You can choose what accent you want to, uh, to listen to. You can choose your version. And I find it really, uh, really, really helpful. I have an English lady who reads me the Bible every day. Uh, most of the time, I simply go through the Bible from the start to the finish, but that's because I have a certain level of introductory knowledge of different books of the Bible, so that's not for everyone. Um, the place I read the Bible is in my home office from Tuesdays to Saturdays, and then I go down to the Sandgate waterfront on Sundays and, uh, and Monday mornings. I always do this as one of my first things in the day because I've found God will often speak to me about a relevant situation in my life for that day. So that's how I do things, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the way that you do things. The important thing is to find consistency through having a place, a time, and a plan. In saying that, you don't need to feel that you must be restricted only to that place, time, and plan. Sarah and I, we, um, we intentionally connect with one another each day over, uh, over breakfast and dinner. This is really important for Sarah and I for, uh, for just having a healthy marriage where we are communicating well with one another. But if we only communicated over breakfast and dinner for the rest of our lives, things would start to get stale pretty quickly. And so it's important that I take Sarah out to dinner every so often. It's important for me to watch romantic comedies with my wife every so often. It's important for us to go on walks together because otherwise our relationship simply becomes a routine. This is same as our relationship with God. Have a specific time, place and plan, but also encounter God in special ways. Go to the water and read an entire gospel account. Go for a walk and listen to the Psalms. Read with someone else through one of the epistles. 
If you want to be consistent and healthy in your Bible reading, you need to have a plan, but also remember that this is primarily about relationship. So encounter God uh, outside of these, uh, of these uh, planned times in special moments. So that's uh, tip number two. Tip number three is to understand the context of, uh, of what you are reading. As we said last week, the Bible is for you, but it wasn't written to you. The words were written to a particular group at a particular time in a particular place. So it's important for you to understand the context of what you are reading even before you read it. You can understand this by asking questions like, what is the genre of the book? Who wrote the book? What is the purpose of the book? Who was it written to? When and where was it written? And this can help uh, shape your understanding of certain phrases that are being written into. So let's take the four different gospel accounts as an example of this. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, was written to a Jewish audience, and it's his goal to demonstrate that Jesus is the promised, long-awaited Messiah and King. But then you have Mark, which was written to a Gentile audience. And rather than primarily painting Jesus as king, he paints Jesus as a servant. Luke himself was a Gentile and wrote for a Gentile audience and seeks to write down an orderly, historic uh, narrative of the life of Jesus, emphasizing his humanity throughout it. And then the Gospel of John is completely different from the other three in how it's written, but it also paints Jesus differently, this time painting Jesus as the almighty creator coming into human flesh. So there's four different Gospels written to different groups, four different purposes, and when you understand this, it is able to help you understand what you're reading with greater clarity. If you're unsure where to find the answers to some of these questions, uh, a couple of resources I strongly recommend is Introduction to the Old Testament and Introduction to the New Testament, or if you want something lighter but just as helpful, is Encountering the Old Testament and Encountering the New, uh, the New Testament. So that's tip number three, understand the context. Tip number four is to go slowly and ask questions. This is a part of Bible reading where you will really begin to wrestle with God on different things. And don't be afraid to do this either. God's not intimidated by any of the questions that you might ask him or you trying to gain clarity about certain things in the Bible. One of the worst things that we can do when we come to Bible reading is to simply uh, perform it as a task as a, uh, or a box we are, we are ticking. We read the Bible to hear from God, and so it's important that you have time to go through things slowly and diligently. So let's have a go at doing this right now with our passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. That passage said, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So some questions I might choose to ask from this passage. When it says all scripture, is Paul referring only to the Old Testament or is this also applicable to the New Testament? What does God breathed really mean? Why is the phrase used training in righteousness rather than righteousness? Is there something in that? Is the servant of God simply referring to every Christian? 
Are the works here the same as the works that are spoken about in the, uh, in the book of James? There are a whole heap of questions that you can ask out of every single thing that you read throughout Scripture. And as you are asking these different questions, there are some uh, important things to take of note um, as you read. So first sub-tip of this is remember the unchanging explicit truths about the character of God throughout the Bible. God is love, He is good, He is creator, He is powerful and He is for you. And allow that to be the lens through which you read some of those less clear, less explicit parts of Scripture. And allow that to inform how you read and ask questions. One of the things happening uh, in the world today, particularly in the USA a bit more prominently, is the phenomenon of, uh, of deconstruction. It's where people deconstruct their faith without never really reconstructing it, and often this happens based on what people see throughout the Bible. Part of this can happen because people struggle to reconcile actions of God that they see in the Bible with certain characteristics of, uh, of what they see of God throughout the Bible. Knowing the explicit characteristics and nature of God presented throughout the Bible and understanding that they are un eternal, unchanging truths about who he is, is what's important to then allow that to be the lens through, what, uh, through reading some of those less clear, less explicit parts of Scripture. The other, uh, another sub-tip uh, uh, sub on this is be honest with your questions. As I said before, God is not afraid of you asking questions, so don't be afraid to ask certain things. I've found personally that when I ask really honest questions about what I'm reading, I've come out the other side knowing God more deeply and loving Him more. Third sub-tip, invite God into the midst of your Bible reading. He wants to be a part of your Bible reading. So if there is something that you're finding difficult, then tell him about it. He is there in the midst of what you are doing in that moment. Access helpful resources. The problem with having questions is a lot of the time we also want answers. <laughs> there are many, many problems. Uh, problems with the rise of technology in society today, but there are also huge benefits that we have available at our fingertips at all times. And one of those benefits is the accessibility to high quality Christian content, which can answer many of the questions that you might have. The Bible Project is uh, one of the very best online resources to be able to help Christians read and understand the Bible well through their viticles, articles, and podcasts. Um, if you're wanting to, uh, to nerd out a little bit more, there's a, a free uh, program online called Logos. There's also a paid version. And this provides free commentaries, references, original language comparisons, and a lot more. And this is a wonderful tool if you ever get stuck. Then, of course, if you are willing to spend some money, commentaries are always helpful. The Bible Speaks Today uh, commentaries and the NIV application commentaries are great. Uh, but probably before any of this, just having a good study Bible can answer a huge portion of the questions that you might have as you ask certain questions. So accessing helpful resources is really important if you want your questions to be answered. And the fifth sub-tip of this is to talk to someone if you are struggling with what you are reading. Having a mentor irrelevant of age is something that is beneficial for every single Christian. 
So being able to talk through some of your questions will make a huge difference. So there we go, that's tip number, uh, tip number four, to read slowly and to ask questions. Tip number five, we're getting towards the end of the tips for this morning, uh, is to pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. You don't and you can't separate Bible reading from prayer. Some people speak about themselves as prayer people. Some people speak about themselves as Bible people. We need to be Bible and prayer people together. If Bible reading is about encountering God through what he has said to us, then it automatically makes sense that we talk back to him. Bible reading is something that we invite God into. In one sense, it's a part of the conversation that we are having with God. So don't simply read your own application from a passage into your life. Allow God to speak to you and to show you from his word what he is wanting for you from, uh, for your life. This is a skill that takes time to learn and some people are more gifted naturally at this than others. For me personally, along with doing my uh, day, daily Bible reading using something called the Dwell app, I also use an app called Lectio 365 in the morning and it's also the last thing uh, before I go to bed at night and this provides a, a guided prayer and meditation uh, around scripture. I find this hugely beneficial as someone who can get distracted by my own thoughts easily and this is really helped me understand uh, how to pray through scripture. There's also a version available for families if you want to do this as a family. Now, although you want to apply a passage of scripture to your life whenever and wherever it's possible, don't necessarily assume that every single time you read the Bible, you're going to have a lightning bolt, life-changing moment. The Bible is less like going out for a special three-course meal and more like having a steady, healthy diet, where if you keep with it, it will shape your life over the long term. In 2009, a study was done on the effect of reading the Bible and how it influences people's behaviour. For adults who engage with the Bible on four or more days per week, the likelihood of alcoholism dropped 49%. The likelihood of adultery dropped 51%. The likelihood of watching pornography dropped 51%. The likelihood of gambling dropped 43%. And the likelihood of other destructive behaviours dropped 61%. So the effect of reading the Bible regularly and its long-term effect on your life is shown here throughout this study. When you apply the Bible to your life, it may not necessarily take effect in the, in the immediate like we might want, but the long-term effects are clear that it influences you, that it changes your life in profound and significant ways. So there are five hot tips on how to read the Bible to be equipped for every good work. But there is one more tip to go. And that tip is the most important when coming to the Bible. And so here it is. Tip number six is remember that the Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books 
written in three languages across three continents over a 1,500-year time period by 40 different authors. It's a collection of poems, prophecies, letters, laws, histories, and biographies written by people inspired by God telling one unified story that shows us our need for Jesus and it teaches us to become more like him. In future weeks of this series, we're going to be seeing this more clearly revealed throughout, uh, throughout Scripture. We're going to be seeing how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament and is the lens through which we read the entire Bible. The entire Old Testament was leading up to Jesus and the entire New Testament flows out of Jesus. The Bible points to Jesus. And so learn to have an eye out for where Jesus is revealed, no matter what you are reading as you, are, as you come before the Bible. The Bible reveals to us so much about the character and nature of God, and yet the fullness of the character and nature of God is revealed completely and fully through the person and work of Jesus. Team, if you want to come on up right now, that'll be great. John 1, 1 to 18, a familiar passage for many of you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so, to, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the, wo uh, the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son. That's key. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. It is Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, who is the living personification of God's revelation to humanity. We value the Bible. We celebrate the Bible. We invest ourselves into teaching and reading the Bible. But the reason that we do this is because of Jesus. Jesus himself was the living word of God. He was everything about God revealed throughout Scripture and personified in a person. So we don't believe in Jesus because of the Bible. We believe in the Bible because of Jesus. It's actually circular reasoning to go the other way. Jesus was the living word who was here on earth with us. 
in particular, the evidence of him being a living word, the reason that we believe in him at all is because he rose again from the dead. His life was lived perfectly. His death opened salvation for humanity. But it's his victorious resurrection which bears witness to the fact that he was God fully revealed to us today. There was this event that took place 2,000 years ago, which transformed a small group of Jewish followers. And then it spread throughout the entire world. But it didn't happen primarily because of a book. It happened because of an event, the resurrection of Jesus, demonstrating that he was the personification of God's revelation to humanity. Because Jesus was this personification, we now read the scriptures that he read, which point to him and which he taught. We read the scriptures that his followers wrote, which teach us more about him and point back to him. Can we just stand together? Um, We're going to sing to the word who became flesh right now, our saving King Jesus, who rose again from the dead. And this week, as you come before God's word, just going to pray in just a second that you will have revealed to you in a really fresh way the beauty of the character of Jesus revealed to you yeah, in a, um, in a really powerful way. So let's just pray together before we sing in response. And so King Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for revealing the nature of the Father fully. As your people right now, we just thank you for for what you have done through your life, your death, and your resurrection. We thank you for providing us with this book, the Bible, which teaches us so much about who you are, about your goodness and your love and your kindness towards us. The fact that you are a loving father who has good things for his children. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray that you will fill us with your spirit, enable us as your people to be able to read your word more effectively. We thank you that you have revealed this to us and given it to us. Lord, help us to treasure this. We are aware that there are so many of our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have access to this like we do. And so would you help us to really understand how great it is to be able to encounter you in your word every single day. Lord, for my brothers and sisters here this morning who struggle to read your word, I really ask that you will use some of these tools maybe from even this morning to be able to help them to be able to encounter you. And as we read your word, would our hearts stir afresh once again towards Jesus? Would you help us to delight in him and to see him as more beautiful, as more wonderful than anything that we see in this world? In Jesus' name, amen.